words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Alrighty, so we're going to be talking about the man that God uses, you know, and I have been thinking about this for a long time. But as this week approached, I was like, ah, Lord, I said the man God uses, and I'd already given because no Pimo. Pimo is very efficient. Where's your topic? Where's your topic? Where's your topic? I said, this week is International Women's Day. They will now say, Star, as a woman, you said the man that God uses. But I know that this is not that kind of church. We are not woke to the point of being um, spiritually broke. Ooh, um. <laughs> so when I say the man that God uses, you know what I mean. God will use a man, God will use a woman, but I'm talking about the person that God wants to use in this season and beyond. And so something interesting happened to me at the beginning of this year. As this year started, something unusual, weird even started to happen. I saw that a lot of people that I went to school with, very close friends of mine, we were in the same set and so on, they started to turn 40. And that really messed with my mind because I identify as a 25 year old, do you understand? So, so I was like, who are all these people and why? Why are you telling 40? You know? So it started to really. <laughs> this is going to be a serious message. I'm going to do, you know, I'm coming, but let's ease ourselves into it, okay? So that I was like, ah, 40. I'm not 40 yet. I'll be 40 next year. But I started to think about the number 40. And then. At the same time, one of my friends who turned 40, you know, she has a very unusual name, but the meaning of her name is, I will not be lost in a foreign land. And so for a week, I don't know why, maybe because she was turning 40 and the meaning of her name, but I just would wake up every day and just meditate on both things. The number 40 and I will not be lost in a foreign land. I was thinking, is it because of the Jagba syndrome where everybody is like traveling and all of those things? But I now started to think, I said, what if, there are people, because not everybody is traveling, you know, but there are people who have gotten stuck in places and spaces where they have no business being stuck. And they don't know how to navigate their way back into alignment or into God's plans for their lives. And so I started to think, okay, Lord, 40, I will not be lost. What are you trying to tell me? And then he took me to the story of Moses and I got stuck there again, studying the life of Moses. So today we're going to go on a journey using Moses as an archetype of the person that God wants to use. But before we do that, so 40, just to give context, 40 symbolizes testing process. It signals maturity. At the end of 40 is supposed to be, you know, dominion. So even four in the Bible represents dominion. So you go through a process and that's why you see, you know, Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites were in the wilderness 40 years. You know, there's a 40 day pattern in the Bible. But at the end of that process, you're supposed to enter into dominion. And so there are a mixed multitude of people here. Not everybody is 40. Some people have crossed 40. Some people are not yet 40. But it's not about the number 40 per se. It's about cycles. It's about understanding your seasons. It's about understanding the phases in your life. And maybe not even waiting until 40 before you enter into alignment with God. And if you have passed 40, enter into alignment with God. Whatever age and whatever stage you are in, God is asking us to what? Enter into alignment with God. And so we're going to be talking about the phases of a man's life and the phase that God is calling us to enter into, which is what? 
alignment with God. Now, as most of the stories in the Bible, hmm? good, okay. As most of the stories in the Bible, we'll find that there's always a pretext before we enter into the person's story. So one of my favorite books in the Bible is Judges. And why do I like Judges? Because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But a lot of times, before you enter into the person's story, there's a pretext. What is the pretext? Especially in Judges. The people have sinned against God. He's given them over to their enemies. You know, they have suffered. Then they wake up one morning. They cry out to the Lord. The Lord turns his heart to them. He has mercy upon them. And then he looks in his Rolodex of people that he can use, people that have sung that song. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. He looks and says, oh, who can I use? Okay, I'll use Gideon. I'll use Deborah. I'll use Ehud. I'll use whoever it is, Jephthah. I will use them for my glory. And so a lot of times we enter into those people's stories and they are just doing their everyday life, threshing wheat in a wine press, um, you know, just doing what they do, leading a band of, you know, raiders in the wilderness, you know, just living their life until one day a divine encounter comes. Does not always look like a divine encounter, but it reshapes the way that they have seen their life and they are called into something that is bigger and higher than them. But then the trick is, a lot of times, their initial approach is that they think is about them. They look at their inadequacies. I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel like, are you seeing me? me? I don't feel like I'm the one. But they don't realize that the odds are already stacked in their favor. God has already made up his mind that he wants to deliver a people. All he's looking for is a man that he can use. And so, before we go into the story, there are people that God is laying on their hearts things to do assignments that they need to take or books to be written and they're like Lord I don't feel adequate I don't feel like I'm the one that you need I don't feel like I'm worthy have you seen me did you see the way I shouted at my nanny this morning did you see the way I almost had the Okada guy like God I don't feel like a person that you can use but it's not about you there is a cry that has gone out from the face of this earth and you are an answer to somebody's prayer and so every moment that you delay you know, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a way that we preach in church. Oh, if, if you don't answer, God will raise up stones. If you don't answer, God will raise up somebody else. Let me tell you something. Truth be told, there are people that would only respond to the version of you or the version of the gospel that you are bringing because they can identify with you. If two of us come, they will identify with you. Oh, he's so tall. Wow. Anything you say must come from the Lord because you are so close to him. You understand? You know, and there are some people that will look at me and say, hmm, gray braids. You mean you can be a Christian and have colored braids? I want to hear what you are saying. So regardless of it, regardless of your experiences, there are people that look at you and they are waiting for you to enter into the light that God has called you to enter into so that they can also find their own light. And so there we are saying, oh God, oh God, Look at me, look at me, look at me. And God is like, look at me. Look at me, look up. Because if you look at yourself, there will always be inadequacies. If you look at yourself, there will always be clay feet because the hand of man must surely fail. That's why you can't depend on yourself. But if you look at God, anything that he has asked you to do, you must do it. Because he's backing you up. And so before we look at the life of Moses, we look at the pretext. What is the pretext? Exodus chapter 1. The children of Israel have been multiplied in the land of Goshen. Joseph is dead. 
The Pharaoh that helped them is dead. The one that came after is dead. And the one that has risen does not know anything about Joseph or Pharaoh or the covenant that was caught that gave them the land of Goshen. I was like, who are these people? The more they suffer, the more they multiply. These ones will join our enemies. Let's, let's punish them. And so he's punishing them. But oh, what was that song? Let me be myself. I'm in church. The one, what's the one say? As it did, pain them with it. <laughs> As they're punishing them, they are multiplying. What manner of madness is this? As they are punishing them, they are increasing. Who are these people? Okay, kill them at birth. The midwives had the fear of God. Okay, drown them in the river. What kind of hearts would you have? that you look at a baby and say, this baby, because I'm so afraid of the threat you're going to grow up into, I'm going to drown you in the river. That is the heart of man, truly wicked. But, there is a but. There was a baby, so beautiful to behold, that the mother gave birth and said, lie, lie, I cannot, I cannot do anything to this one. Born from a Levite family, separated unto God. You know, there are some people here that no matter what, however you try, you cannot escape God. There are prayers that they have said over your head for generations even before you were born that you, you are saying, oh God, you know, you know, you know, like I'm just going to be on the fence, you know, <laughs> fence, the fence will collapse under you. I'm not, it's not a cause. I'm just telling you. There's no fence. They have already dedicated you to God. So there's nothing you can do. You are God's. It's just you that's wasting your own time. When God is ready, he's like this, he will draw you. I was one of those stubborn goats, so I can't speak. And so God preserves the life of this young man. And so now we're going to enter into Moses' story. Now there are three phases. Moses has a very interesting story because his life is clearly cut into cycles of 40. He lived 120 years and each 40 year mark marked a transition into a different phase. Not all of us are going to live to 120, but we can look at the phases of Moses' life and we can plot the graph of our lives based on where we are and then we can ask for the mercy of God for where we want to go. And so the first 40 years of his life, he grows up in the palace. And he must have had some awareness of the difference in his life. I mean, he was raised for the first part by a Levite mother, you know, and father. So they must have told him, you are separated unto God. There's something different about you. Don't, you live in the Egyptian's house. does not mean that you are an Egyptian. They would have told him things. But he also grew up as an Egyptian in the palace, understanding and learning the ways of royalty. And so one day, Hebrews says, he doesn't say in Exodus, but it says in Hebrews, that he was 40. And he said, let me go and look at what's happening with my brethren. He wasn't talking about the Egyptians, he was talking about the Israelites. And so he goes. And then he happens to see an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And so, you know, I like to put myself in the word, he looks like this. The Bible actually says he looks to the left, looks to the right, sees nobody coming, and he kills the Egyptian. Now, I'm sure when he did it, he was like, mm-hmm, that's me, Moses, the deliverer. That's what I do. No, no, don't thank me, because the, the, the Israelites would have been speechless. There is beats that they are beating me. Who asked you to kill? But like, no, 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 no thanks. Don't need to thank me. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> and then the next day, he goes again. After a successful murder ship, Abby, he goes. <laughs> he goes again. Hi, how are you guys doing? Why are you fighting? Why are you fighting? I say, hey, hey. Excuse me, are you going to kill us like you killed the other guy? It's like, my chest, wow. This was not the thanks I was expecting. What? What? And 
then he feels rejected and he's like, oh my God, they must hear about this, they must know about this, and he runs. Now, by the special grace of God, none of us have murdered anybody, amen? And in our hearts and minds, God has forgiven us for the ones that, you know, <laughs> in the past, you know? But we say, I don't relate to this, but there, there's an age and a stage that we get to. If we have not been processed by God, where we think, I can't do it. Is it not, what's this? I have an MBA. Is it not just to do business plan? So God will give you a vision or you have an idea of a vision. Lord, thank you for this idea. I appreciate you. But I don't, I'll take it from here. I went, I studied for this. Marketing plan, business plan, open Instagram page, ask your friends and family to follow you, do sponsored ads. But your two plus two is equal to what? Minus 20. Because not only are you, nobody's following you, nobody's buying. In fact, you are losing followers on the day. You're like, ah, this is not what that girl did. When I just opened that page, that's not how people did. They followed her now. Have you ever seen where two plus two is equal to minus 15 before? Oh, it's only me. <laughs> I remember when I, I started doing my PhD, and honestly, I had a lot to prove. I was the only African in my class. You know, I went to university of Bath, and you don't even know about Bath, but Bath is very posh, you know, they're very intelligent and stuff. So I used to dress the way I want to be addressed. I'm the only one. In a university setting, <laughs> in a university setting, they're very casual, T-shirts, jeans, trainers, but I'm like me from Africa, that I'm paying my full school fees. You will know that I'm doing PhD in this school. So <laughs> where my blazer be going? So let me be my, I'm actually trying to be here because it's a very important message that I'm passing and I know you will get it. And so I remember this day, everybody had to present their work, right? From year one to year four, everybody had to present. And I'm in year one, I've only done a few weeks or months at that time. And so the year four people were presenting and they were stammering, stuttering, and based on the parameters is what I can say. You know, they were just stuttering, like, ah, this is year four. Year one, I came, 10 slides. This is what I want to study. I've not tested the work. I've not gone to field. I've not done anything. This is just based on my literature. I did it very clear, non-tested. The clap for me. Everybody should be present like Esther. Ah, my shoulder pad went, what? I was like, is this PhD that is hard? I, I, I'll be the first person in my department to finish in two and a half years. PhD is four to five years. I said, I'll finish half the time. If I'm already getting this kind of accolade after how many months, I'll finish. I think you already know where this story is going. Anyway, by the 12th month, you're supposed to do something called a transfer exam. And so I had, we had a visiting professor, one of the highest, you know, when, you, when you're citing work, it's his work that you cite, and he came. And so he's my, in, was he, he was my external examiner, there was an internal examiner. So here I am, still bloated from the last expert, you know. And so I'm saying, yeah, so uh, my work is studied in, you know, in Nigeria. The, the guy now said, which part of Nigeria? I said, hmm? <laughs> Literally, because you're talking to him, we don't think anybody knows. Like, I'm the authority of, you know, Nigeria. I said, which part of Nigeria? I first said, um, the Southwest. Yes, he said, yes, because I know, because the North is different from the, I say, ah, 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 trouble. Ask me the next question. You know that kind of... This is how I stood. He's asking, don't you have... I have nothing to say. I was waiting for the ground to open up and swallow me. Literally, if the ground... Just that my parents would have cried. If the ground... I'm like, please, just take me now. 
And I was like, Esther, don't cry, Esther, don't cry. What do I do? Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. I was just like, just let me go. But I learned something that day. It's called something called what? Humility. Me that I was feeling proud. I didn't talk to other PhD students. I said, please, where's our office? <laughs> That's what the experience. That's what the experiences of life teach you. Humility. They teach you. Especially if God wants to use you, there's no place for pride. Oh, shortly after that, I had another experience that, but you know, I had another experience where I went to a conference, asked a question, and I just froze. I could not speak. And so I understood the next phase, but I'm getting there. I understood the next phase of Moses' life because for a season, me that I thought I was so eloquent, I could speak. After those two experiences, I stopped feeling like I had anything to say. I shut down. From that time, that 18 month period till I finished my PhD, I did not teach, I did not open my mouth, I did not ask any question, I did not do anything. I shut down. Because I had an experience that was negative to what I was expecting. I thought I had it all figured out at that stage in my life. And God, because the devil doesn't have that kind of power over my life, God used those experiences to humble me, to remove my dependence on myself and refocus on him. But we're getting there. And so Moses runs away. He runs away. And for a lot of us, when we have faced rejection in the things that God has called us to do, we run away. How can I be the one that you're asking? Because I thought that if you ask me to start a business, everybody must buy what I'm selling. I thought that if you ask me to start a ministry, everybody must become a, what is this? That we have started a ministry for how many years? Only 10 people are in the room. What's this about? I must have misheard. This cannot be you, God, and you run. And you run. But because God's hand is on your life, God, even where you run to, is orchestrated by him. Even the wilderness, which is the second phase of a man's life and a man's journey, is orchestrated by God because the wilderness is an invitation to realignment. If you see it through the lens of God, the Wilderness is a place for you to refocus and to realign with God's plan for your life. I always laugh and I joke that when I see people, uh, God has given us common sense. We don't need to ask him. What do I need to ask God for? I have a brain. That's why he gave me a brain. I used to, <laughs> have you seen that meme where the boy is crying and he starts laughing when he sees? <laughs> because you have not started. Just to say, oh, I have common sense. I'm not saying that God has not given us common sense. I'm a highly intelligent human being, but there's a way that your intelligence will bow to the experiences of life that you know that it's not by sense. When you enter into God's process, you allow Him to refine you, you allow Him to remove pride, to remove all those tendencies to depend on your own wisdom and understanding. And so He runs to the wilderness and He sits by a well. But guess what? He cannot deny His DNA. Because the daughters of Jethro come and they are harassed by shepherds. And in verse 19 of chapter 3, it says, Moses stood up and delivered them. Even in his place of hiding, 
even in his place of running, he could not deny the, the DNA of a deliverer. And that's why you'll find that even when you are hiding, you're like, Lord, I know you send me to people, but people are a hot mess. I don't do people anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for social media. I can be sending your message. I'll do Instagram live. Anything that has to do with interaction with someone being a <laughs> count me out. <laughs> but even then, you cannot deny that inside of you is something that is drawn to human beings. You can't deny yourself. You can't deny it. No matter how you try to hide. If God has called you a deliverer, if God has called you a liberator, a helper, whatever he has called you, you cannot to deny to be to deny your very essence, your very DNA. And so even there in the wilderness, he's still delivering people. And so, he delivers them, continues sitting by the well. Jethro now says, where's the person that helped you? Bring him, give him something to eat. And then in verse 20, he says that Moses came and Moses was content to live there. How many of us are content to live in places that were only supposed to be a temporary refuge? How many of us are content to live in spaces that we have no business being in because we are running from God's plan? Oh, music ministry is so hard. This heals music. See, I just stress in my life. I'm going to go and look for bank job. Bank job, they will still call you to leave praise and worship in that office. Oh, God called me to start my own business. I'm tired of losing money. Tired of losing money. Hear that in Aki and Papa's voice. I'm just tired. Tired of losing money. <laughs> Let me go and find a job. And you're there. But it's supposed to be a temporary place of refuge for you to recoup, for you to learn. And you say, no, business is not for me. I'm not a business person. Honestly, even this message, I'm on this table. And I'm like, Father, may I not implicate myself with the things that I say today? <laughs> because God has a, an amazing sense of humor, let's call it that. Oh, the church has hurt me. The church has hurt me. God is calling me to reach out, to start a fellowship, to start a ministry. But the church has hurt me. The church has hurt me. And so, let me look for a fellowship that I'll be volunteering in. God has called you to lead children's ministry. Usher is, at least I'm in the house of God. Because there are other people that have gone through what I've gone through. And Lord, you see them on the streets. So at least I'm under your covering. I'm under your house. But you know, that the heart that you have is for children's ministry. So you being an usher, I'm not calling anybody's here. I don't know anybody's story, please. I don't know. You know? And that's how we find ourselves content to be tending other people's assignments. Hmm? Content to dwell in a strange land. In fact, he married, he had children, even named the child after the strange land, Gershom, because I'm a stranger in a foreign land. And so you are there in a place where you have no business being, you're even being, bearing fruits, and you are naming the fruit based on the place that you are in. Meanwhile, God hasn't called you to be there. 
So are you being productive? Yes. Are you working in the bank and succeeding? Yes, I have nothing against bank. Look, please, any example I use, let me just, I should have put disclaimer. I have no problem. I'm just using the words that the Holy Spirit is giving me. If you start getting your eyes, I don't know you from anywhere. The Holy Spirit does, okay? But whatever it is, you will succeed because inside of you is the DNA to succeed. But are you doing what God asked you to do? Or are you running because you are afraid of pain or you are afraid of experiencing pain? There are two things that chase us out of alignment, which is pain and the fear of pain. Some of us have experienced real pain and we're like, I'm not doing this anymore. But some, it's just even seeing somebody else go through it. You're like, ah. That strength that Pastor Mo has, I don't have it. I can't do it. You know, Pastor Mo, inside him is a pastor. In fact, I was going to use the You know, Oti calls you Pastor Pimo. Because your first name is actually Pastor. They now, now appointed you Pastor and so. And there are people like that. And I say, you can't deny your heart. You can't deny your DNA. Pastor Mo cannot stop being a pastor even if he wanted to. He's a pastor. That's who he is. You know, Pastor Nigel said, that's right. He's also on the same table. Pastor Nigel said, he's a pastor. They, <laughs> that's his treble. <laughs> there are people that can't deny it. Oh, evangelist. What is that? I'm not an evangelist. But yet, any food recommendation you give your friends, they trust you. Anything that you recommend, as long as I recommended it, I'm following you. You are an evangelist. You are just in the wrong land. Social media, you know, I just want to do a review of the movie I just watched called Creed. 3,000 views. Mm. God is helping you expand your platform for the work that is calling you to. Whatever it is, you cannot deny your DNA. Have you been content to dwell in a strange land? Has pain kept you in a place where you know you have long since outgrown? Is it time for you to move on? Is it time for you to move out and back into the destiny that God has for you? Is it time? It is time. My being here today is to signal to you and signal to the heavens that it is time for you to get back into alignment. It is time. It is time. Tending other people's assignment is useful. No experience is lost. Moses was happy to be a shepherd. But guess what? He could have been anything. He could have been a farmer. He could have been whatever it is. But he was always called to be a shepherd. Always called to lead. But he was happy to lead sheep. Say, sheep can't talk back. Sheep can't bite me. But you're called to be a shepherd. You're called to lead people. And somewhere in that wilderness, he got stripped. He got stripped. That arrogance, oh, I can kill and nothing will happen to me. I can do this and nothing will happen to me. It was stripped of him in the wilderness. How do we know this in chapter 4? I am not eloquent. I cannot speak. Why would you call me? And that's what happens in the wilderness. We are stripped of every dependence on our personal strength. Every tendency to say I can do this thing called life on my own is stripped in the wilderness. Until you get into alignment. And that's why for some people, you keep doing the same thing, doing the same thing over and over again. 
Because in your heart of hearts, you know that that is what you're supposed to be doing. But until you enter into alignment and until you enter into submission to God, you're not going to get the results that you think you should be getting. Not because God is trying to punish you, but because there's too much at stake for you to do it outside of God. Disappointment, in some cases, is God's way of lovingly redirecting you. It's perspective. And so he's there for another 40 years. Do you know what that means? It means he's 80 by the time he's having the encounter. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that. There are people that get stuck in phase one. They never come out of human maturity. They never come out of human reasoning. They die in that phase. And there are some people who also get stuck in phase two, which is the wilderness. I don't want to come out of this wilderness. Let me protect myself. Let me protect my heart. I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to be hurt the way I don't want to feel rejection the way that I felt rejection. Yes, Lord, I know that you're calling me to these people. Lord, I know you're calling me to this space, but I've been hurt so much. I don't think I can do it again. And God is like, it's time for you to come out. It's time for you to align. But even in that season, even in that experience, there are, ex there are things that you are learning that are necessary for the next phase. So nothing is lost. You're not wasting time. And we'll say, oh, but I'm too far gone. I don't know how I'm even going to start. I don't want to start from the bottom. I don't want to start again from scratch. You will never start from scratch with God because God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste any experience. And so he's stripped, stripped of everything. But while he's going through his process, something is happening in the land. In Exodus chapter 2 from verse 23 to 25, and we're going to read that because it's important for us to see this. It says, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Verse 24. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Right at this moment, whilst you are in the middle of your process, there is a cry that is going out from your industry, from your mountain of influence, from your nation, from your family, from wherever God has asked you to impact. There is a cry that is going out. And in this very moment in time, God is remembering his covenant, which he has cut even before you were born. But he has given birth to you, he has processed you, and he has allowed you to be here for just this moment in time. And I love verse 3. In fact, this is a good time to pray. Verse 3, every time I see verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, now, meaning at that very point in time, as God was remembering Israel, now Moses was entering into alignment. And so before I continue, I just want us to take this now moment and enter into alignment. Lord, whatever you are doing in the land, 
whatever you are doing in my sphere, whatever you are doing in my mountain of influence, whatever you are doing in the place of my calling, now, this moment, not tomorrow, not later, Lord, I enter into alignment with you. Now, 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 I decree and I declare that my season collides with yours, that my alignment collides with your plan, oh God, I align with your will. Now, in the name of Jesus, now, now, Lord, I surrender. Now, I enter into what you are doing. I refuse to go another cycle of 40. I refuse to go another cycle of testing. I refuse to go another cycle of your process, Lord. I have learned. I am learning. Lord, I will learn on the way. I come out of the wilderness and I enter into alignment in the name of Jesus. Now. Now. Now in the name of Jesus. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. He came to the mountain of the Lord. He came into alignment. He came by himself. Oh God, if you are really good, if you are really kind, draw me to yourself. No, Sa'ama, you will come by yourself. You will come. He's waiting to receive you, but you have to take the step. You have to do it. And so he has a divine encounter. God was in the midst of the fire, a bush that refused to burn. But there are some of us that say, ah, Lord, if you're really calling me, I want to see angel. I, and me and God, we have a, uh, it's not a problem in the name of Jesus, but when someone like P.I. will come and say, you know, an, an angel just came into my room where I slept and I saw heaven, I say, oh, I, I don't understand. How many years do I have to be born again? How many years do I have to serve you for me to see even just like a foot of an angel? I'm not asking for much. I just want to see something that will just show me, like a toe, big toe, anything. Just let me see. <laughs> and some of us were waiting. Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, let there be a vortex as I'm leaving church. Let rain and sun come together and an umbrella of a rainbow come over me and I know that it's you that is calling me. But if we're being honest, there are things that we have seen in life. There are experiences that we have gone through that we know could only have been God. We know. So if it is about seeing God, we have seen God in our lives. We have seen him take us and lift us up. We have seen him lift us out of dark spaces. So you know that God is with you. And if it is by seeing strange things, Gideon would have seen fire come out of his rod, consume his offering, and he would have gone straight to kill the same Midianites. But that encounter was only enough for him to bring down the altars in his father's house, Judges chapter 6. When it was time for him to go and see the Midianites and 32,000 people were following him, he said, Lord, when I started this journey, there were only 10 people that were following me. I'm now in Gideon's story. Please stay with me. 10 people that followed me to bring down the altars in my father's house. They tried to kill me after. Did not work. Now 32,000 people are following me. Lord, where are we going? Where are we going? It's easy to explain to 10 people, I don't know where I'm going. That 2,000, what will they say? As in, they're they are, they are waiting for order. So Lord, if you are really with me, let water come on the ground, not on the fleece. Let water come on the fleece, not on the ground. 
And I remember God saying to me, said, Esther, look at my reaction every time he asked for confirmation. I didn't slap him. Thunder did not fire him and say, how dare you after I've seen, shown you fire and an angel of the Lord. Whatever he asked for, God gave him. Because it's important to God that you believe that he's the one that is sending you and that he's with you. So whatever confirmation you need in this space and time, ask him, he will give it to you. In fact, in chapter 7 of Judges, after the Lord had reduced 32,000 to 10,000 to 300, where even Gideon said, if you want to kill me, just Koku send me by myself to the Midianites. Let them just slay me at once. He says, I know that you are afraid. Take your servant. Go to the camp of the Midianites and I will show you. Because he knew that if he had gone by himself, he said, maybe I fell asleep on the way. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe I didn't see what I saw. So there are times, even in this journey, that you need your tribe. You need a witness. You need people to remind you of the promises that God has spoken concerning your life. You need people that will partner with you on this journey and say, ah, Esther, you can do it. Pimo, you can do it. You are doing it. You need people that will partner with you. And so he hears. Someone says, in the camp of Midian, I had a dream. And in the dream, a loaf of bread hits the tent, and the tent collapsed. Thank God, I'm married to dream interpreter, but I still have a problem with that dream. I was loaf of bread hitting tents turned to victory, but maybe you can explain to me after. And they said, I know what that dream means. Is Gideon, the son of, I can't remember his father's name, something again with J, the son of Joe, whatever, you know? He is the one. It's like saying, is Segi, the son, the married to Bola Ogido. That is the one. You are hearing them talking about you in Canada. Me? Wow. I can conquer the land. And as soon as he heard it, he became like, this is Sparta. Broke the trumpet. Broke the thing. Broke it. Broke everything. And he killed them. And so you find that the Gideon in Judges chapter 6 is vastly different from the Gideon in Judges chapter 8. Because he has seen God, he has walked with God, he has experienced God's victory, and he's no longer afraid or timid. That is what God wants for us. He wants us to so experience him, to so walk with him, that by the time we're talking about God, they know that we're talking about God from a lived-in experience. We're not talking theory, we're talking about a God that we have seen, a God that has come through for us severally, and we're like, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. The God that we serve is a God of relationships and experiences. He wants us to know him from an experiential point of view. No longer theory, but he can say, if God did this for me, then he can do it for you. Those are some of the most powerful testimonies. And God wants you to enter into that place. And so we're back to Moses. Moses has an encounter and he knows that he's in a place that is holy because even God says, remove your shoes, this is holy ground. And God begins to outline to him the plan that he has to deliver the people of Israel. But he's hearing God, he's seeing God, and he's like, ah, I know this is you, God, but who am I? All the arrogance had gone. All the, the reliance on strength had gone. And so even though he knew that God was the one speaking to him, he's like, I hear you, I see you, I'm in awe of your reverence, but who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Why are you sharing these plans with me? Who am I? And there are people here today that you know that you have heard from God. 
you know that it's God that is asking you to do the things that you know are on your heart to do. But you are stuck in the who am I? But how did God answer him on who am I? He didn't say, not who are you, but who am I? I am that I am. And I am with you. You cannot do anything outside of God if you are called by God and if you have surrendered to God, if you have sung those songs, if you have said, God, use me for your glory. The truth of the matter is that you only have a short leash. There's only so far you can go outside of God. But a time is coming and the time is now when God is calling, collect. He's ready. He's ready for you. And so you'll find that the things you could do where you could delay, oh God, yeah, the one asking him to do is, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. It's, it's shorter now. You could go for six months and they come back and say, let me visit the plan. You can't do it like that anymore. The leash is getting shorter and shorter because there's a cry that is going out and God needs you to do what he's called you to do. But you need to surrender. You need to align. You will never feel qualified. And that's the mistake. You will never feel qualified. We're always waiting to feel like we can do it. You can't. He are not even formed to do it outside of him. And I look at it and I call it holy tensions, divine juxtapositions, the lion and the lamb, timid yet bold. God is with me yet I feel so inadequate. All of those things are designed to kill the flesh and make us dependent on God. So you can be so bold on the pulpit and so timid in real life. You can be the lion in the boardroom and then you come out and you are a lamb. You can be so filled with God yet so aware of your own inadequacies. Holy tensions. How Lord? How can I be so aware of you and yet so aware of my limitations as a human being? How can I be so aware of your call on my life and be so aware of the very things that will stop that call? It is the awareness of those things that keep you dependent on God. It is the awareness of those things that keep you on the altar. Otherwise, you're going to try and do it in your own strength. You will never be as strong as you think that you need to be to do the things that God is asking you to do. You will never feel qualified. You will never feel like you have everything together. The minute you feel like you do, guess where he's taking you to the next level. Because you must be dependent. You must live a life of dependence on God. No matter how high you think you've gone, no matter what your experiences have been in the spirit, the minute you stop growing with God, the minute is what you're telling God, please take me home, I'm done here. It's from glory to glory. There's always more in God. There's always more. There's always more of the promised land to be conquered. That is the way that God has designed this thing called life. Who am I? Stop asking, who are you? Who am I? Who are you, God? Reveal yourself to me in a different way. Help me to be so focused on you that I lose focus on myself. Help me to be so hidden in you and hidden in your plan for my life that I stop seeing myself and my inadequacies. Years ago, I would compare myself to people in ministry. How I wish I could talk like with this person with power. You know, you have to do power.
How I wish. How I wish I could talk. No, I won't talk. Hi, my name is Hi, Papa. Shakara, Papa. But I realize that the people that God has sent me to, if I shout like that, they will just leave me like, please, I beg, I beg. No, it's this much. You are uniquely gifted for the audience that God has called you to. Still that year, I remember saying to God, Lord, I feel so inadequate. Stephen, now, I feel so inadequate. I'm so tired. This week, I was so tired. Tired. I couldn't even speak. I had gist around, but I couldn't give him the gist because, you know, gist is back and forth. So if I tell you the story, you ask me a question, I don't have the energy to reply to the question. So I kept my gist. I was tired. How are you going to use someone that feels so tired? And Lord, I know all the things you're asking me to do. And why am I so tired all the time? But you know what I found? The irony of God, the humor of God, is when I'm tired that God shows up. Because like Esther, Esther don't have strength. Esther don't have, okay, let me help her. But when Esther feels like she has strength, then she's like, okay, God, when we get here, you can help me. No, please start from the beginning. Help me from the very beginning to the end. I can't do it outside of you. And so I remember looking at myself and the inadequacy, and I say, God, how do you want me to do all these things that you're asking me to do? I feel so inadequate. And so, I said, Lord, I want to see you today. So I sat down and I looked up and I saw a picture of a throne. And as I was looking at the throne and the light that came from the throne, I looked down and I saw mud around my feet. And I started to get fixated at the mud. Look at the holiness of God. Look at the mud on my feet. And I just felt a hand just look up. And as I looked up, I saw water begin to come and wash my feet. And God said to me, as long as you focus on yourself, you'll be focused on your inadequacies. You'll be focused on all the reasons why you cannot do what I've asked you to do. But if you look to me, if you focus on me, there is nothing that you cannot do. Because me that I'm calling you, I know what is inside of you and I know how I want to bring it out. So today, God wants to remind you that he is with you. When Moses asked the question, how will I do this? Who am I? What did he say? Exodus 3 verse 12. I am with you. When he said, how can I do these things? I was a deliverer. I thought I was a deliverer. I tried. I was rejected by these same people you're trying to send me back to. He said, dream again. It's time for you to dream again. What are those dreams that God has given to you? Where are those journals that you are buried? It's time to dream again. Dream again. The ship hasn't sailed. The boat hasn't sailed. It's time. Those books that you have abandoned. It's time. Those songs that you have left unfinished, it's time. Those businesses, go back. The world has need of what you are carrying. Stop hiding your light. Stop. You're not glorifying anybody, least of all God. Dream again. And then God is telling him, I'm with you. And listen, whatever sign you need is already with you. Use the rod. The rod was already in his hand. He didn't know he to go and get MBA in rod making. He didn't need to go and get PhD in hand, hand leprosy. <laughs> the very signs needed to deliver the people were already on his person. The very things that God needs to use, 
they are already inside of you. Oh God, if you really want to use me, maybe I have to go back to school. I have four degrees. None of them are contributing to what I'm doing here today. Zero. There was a time when my four degrees gave me leverage. I slept very well. I have four degrees. When God took me through my process, <laughs> I couldn't speak. I had a life plan at age 19. Age 29, I don't know what I was doing with my life. I had mapped out my life. I said by 28, I'll be a millionaire because millionaire was something. It's still something, but you know. I thought I could retire with millions. Or millionaire as a maybe one. Father, you'll take us back there in this Nigeria in Jesus' name. Well, our money will count for something. Then I said, I want to go into a full time. You know, you know, there's sometimes, I don't know if you've seen that Family Guy episode where Stewie left his house, entered taxi, entered plane, came down from the plane, entered taxi, went to somebody's house, quack, quack, then went back, entered plane, entered. Have you seen that before? I wish I could do that to my 19-year-old self because I feel like the reason I'm standing here is because of the things that I wrote when I was 19. I was like, what did you know? I want to be a full-time minister at age 34. When I read that, I almost fainted. I wrote it at age 19. What did I know? I was not even living for God at the time. So what was I, what was I doing? It's my mother's prayers. I blame it. <sighs> it's time to dream again. It's time to build again. Go back. We've told all night. We've caught nothing. Jesus is in your boat. Go back. But this time you are asking him for direction. You are not doing it in your own wisdom because the arm of flesh will fail you. When God gives you a plan, when God gives you a dream, you don't say, Lord, don't worry. I have the outline from here. Don't do that. If he's given it to you, he wants to do it with you. Seek him every step of the way. What are you saying, Lord, per time, per season? Every day, what would you have me do? How would you have me do it? You prayed for that job. Oh, now I'm doing it. I'm qualified. You are not. You are not qualified for a job. He gave you the job. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. And God wants you, not your brother. Lord, you can choose anybody. Use who you are going to use. That's what Moses said to God. After everything, after all said and done, and he thought that God would be pleased with his humility. He says God's anger was kindled. Why? Because God is patient. He wants to work with you. With you. He has a plan for Aaron. He has a plan for Miriam. But he has a plan for you, Moses. Lean into his plan. Stop trying to shift it. Oh God, my sister can do it better. Have you seen have you seen, have you seen her? She can speak better than me. It's like, I, I saw her before I came to you. Stop comparing yourself with other people. The Bible says to compare ourselves with ourselves is foolishness. It's not wise. Stop limiting yourself by comparing your giftings. Apples and oranges, you're not the same. There's space for everybody. God is looking for what? He's looking for you. You with your experiences, you, with your inadequacies, you, with your failings, you. Whether you can speak or not speak, at the end of the day, he wasn't really looking for his voice. He said, what's in your hand? He will use everything. The things that God wants to use are already in your possession. It's time to move. It's time to move. 
And so as I round up, the man that God will use must allow himself to go through the process. Everybody goes through the process. If God is going to use you, you will go through the process. Jesus went through the process. I said it. I said, God, these are the things. I think it was Luke 2 when he was baptized. And he says, the heavens opened. And, the, and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately, he didn't even have time to even say, hey, did you hear that? Did you? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? It's not thunder. It was God that was speaking about me. He didn't have time to save or, or rebel. He says immediately, as in at once, suddenly, as in before I could even think, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tested. The minute there's a call of God on your life, you must allow yourself to be processed. That's where you, your identity will be tested. That's where your, your desire or your wherever you're looking for provision will be tested. Power will be tested and your need or regard for it will be tested. It will all be tested. But when you come out, when you pass that test, you enter into the dominion that God has called for you to enter into. They will look at you and say, ah, is that not the son of a carpenter? Did we not go to secondary school together? Were we not in the same class in university? Did we not start this banking job? Why am I with banking today? Wow. Did we not start this banking job together? Who are you? What are these words that are coming from your mouth? A separation has happened. A promotion has happened. Dominion is waiting for you on the other side of the process. And so today we align. We say, Lord, we align. We align. We align, oh God. We align. We align. We align with what you are doing. We say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, we surrender, oh God. We say, if you can use anything, truly use us for your glory. Lord, where our dreams have failed, where we have thought, oh God, I can't do this, the season has passed, maybe I've missed the boat. We allow ourselves to dream again in you in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, today we are no longer stuck. We actually enter, oh God, into your momentum. We enter into the flow of your spirit. We enter into the river of your presence. And we say, God, we move with you in the name of Jesus. We're getting unstuck. We refuse to continue to dwell in a place where pain has put us. We refuse to begin, we refuse to continue to pitch our tents in foreign lands where you have not asked us to be. We are no longer content to dwell and to be fruitful in a place that we are not supposed to be. We move, we go back to the assignment. And guess what? God is sending you back to the same people, to the same places, to the same business ventures, to the same Egypt. But this time you're going based on the strength of his call. You're going as a sent person. You're going with the authority of the Holy Spirit backing you up. No longer are you trying to do things in your own strength. You are going with God. Because God has called you to deliver a people. And deliver a people you must. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.